you are probably wondering after listening to or watching two short episodes where we said there would be no more episodes of iOS Today in this feed, why there's now an episode of iOS Today in this feed. That is because we wanted to let you know that we are indeed moving to the club. You get this last, this final delicious taste of iOS Today. But future episodes, you're going to have to go to Club Twit. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. Join for $7 a month, $84 a year. Or if you want to, you can just subscribe to this show specifically for $2.99 a month. All of that at twit.tv slash club twit. Enjoy this final taste of iOS today before we head exclusively to the club. Bye. Coming up on iOS today, Rosemary Orchard and I are back and triumphant, and we're talking about our favorite apps of 2023. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This This is iOS Today, episode 684, recorded for Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Our favorite apps of 2023. Hello and welcome to iOS Today. I feel like I've just got so much room I can spread out because now we're here in the club. There are velvet carpets, there are disco lights, there are... Uh, members-only jackets, and everything in between. Yes, this is our triumphant um, continuation of iOS Today, all thanks to our awesome Club Twit members. Thank you so much for subscribing. Um, I am one of the hosts of iOS Today. My name is Micah Sargent. And I am Rosemary Orchard, and thrilled to find out that those velvet carpets are purple. Nobody <laughs> told me. I didn't realize. I was missing out. Surprise! Like, I've, I've been lurking, but you know, I just didn't realize they were purple. I was wearing the black and white glasses. It was a bad idea. So yay, purple everywhere. Woo! We love it. We love it. Um, yeah, and you know what? This is a time where we have the opportunity to talk about many of the apps that we used over the past year. Um, Rosemary and I, of course have gone through dozens upon dozens of apps that we have talked about, that we've recommended to all of you. And this gets to be our opportunity. The first, uh, the first episode of the year tends to be the opportunity where we get to kind of look back and say, look, these are the apps that we thought were great, that we enjoyed ourselves, that we think you'll like if you haven't heard of them and everything in between and kind of get a chance to talk about what, uh, what we've used and what we like and why we like it. So, I think without further ado, we should get right into it uh, as we kick off this very special first episode of iOS Today in the club. Um, The first app that I want to talk about is an app that probably occupies almost as much time as my audiobook app. It is NYT Games. NYT Games is the New York Times Word Games app. It also has Sudoku. Uh, and it is a way to play a bunch of different word games, of course, including the New York Times Crossword and uh, many people's favorite, Wordle, uh, as well as my favorite, which is Connections. Um, there are a number of different games that you can play, including Spelling Bee, Letterboxd, Tiles, and as I mentioned, Sudoku. Um, but Wordle, many of you will be familiar with. In fact, here in the club, we have a number of folks who uh, regularly share their Wordle scores and kind of talk about the Wordle um, in the Club Twit Discord. So that has been fun, as well as 
the, a game that I've mentioned quite often, which is the Connections app, or the Connections game, rather, which is... Um, it's a, it's a bunch of words. Uh, what is it? 16 words. And they are displayed for you in tiles. And you have to group them into categories of four just based on the words themselves. Uh, I've already solved the puzzle for today, so I don't want to show that in case someone hasn't and then it gets spoiled for them. Um, so I won't tap on it. But uh, it is, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it, what, what's great about it for me is that it's, it, it's a delightful way to kind of get your mind to think differently because sometimes the way that the words are grouped are based on how they look. Sometimes it's based on their meaning. Sometimes it's based on how they're pronounced. Sometimes it can be based on uh, the way that you add things to the word to determine uh, how it might change. Just the other day, I thought that one way that it might be grouped is by adding L-Y to the end of each of the words. And I was trying to make that work. Anyway, anyway, it's a lot of fun, and it really kind of challenges you to think outside of the box, as it were. Um, but it's also the place where I do the daily crossword. And so every day the crossword comes in, I think it's about 7 p.m. here Pacific time. And I... Uh, happily uh will open it up and do the crossword as quick as i can uh sundays you know sometimes those crosswords take a little bit of time but um i've really been quite good about all of december you'll see that i've completed all of the crosswords in december um i just really like this app it is uh, a place for me to challenge my brain every day but also to i don't know pass the time and have fun and it's also been an opportunity to chat with uh, some of my colleagues at work about the the games that we all play together here in the new york times games app um it is available to download for free and it has some of the uh, some of the games are available to play for free. The most recent crossword will be available to you. You won't have access to the the archive unless you're a subscriber, and it gives you the ability to subscribe within the app uh, to the kind of digital subscription to be able to play and kind of unlock everything. Or you can just play, you know, whatever today's is. So, yeah, even if you're not a New York Times subscriber, you can get this app and be able to use it. Uh, so that is my first pick, NYT Games in the App Store. Rosemary, what's your first pick? Well, my first pick, Micah, is all about reading, but I'm not talking about reading books. I'm talking about those things that you want to come back to and read later, but sometimes, sometimes we forget about them. And uh, I have tried many patents and methods over the years. I've tried leaving open tabs in my browser. Never works. I don't go back to them. I've tried using the reading list built into Safari on iOS and iPadOS and macOS, and it's okay, but I stumbled across good links a few years ago, and this is one of my uh, favorite ways to save things to read later. So the whole idea with good links is you're building a pile of good links for you to come back to. But it is a really lovely native iOS app, so they've written it purely for, for iOS. There's a macOS version as well, and you can just share 
using the share sheet to get any, uh, you know, uh, articles into this. And it will save them and just download them offline. But you can customize a lot of the the, the details in this. So you can choose your theme to uh, have a different accent color. Of course, I've chosen purple. If you're more of a turquoisey fan, you know, sort of iOS today colors, you can go with that. If you're a green fan like Micah, you can go for green. Mm-hmm. And it will change your app icon to match as well. Um, and as well as this, um, you can also specify uh, if you want a light theme or a dark theme all the time, or if you want it to match um, the system theme, which is what I'm doing. So when my iOS is in dark mode, good links is in dark mode, or I can adjust manually or based on system brightness. And I can choose sepia and night um, as um, uh, my various themes. So night is sort of dark grays um, and dark is more black, but then there's some more brightness to it. I'm just going to switch back to matching the system and go back to light and dark as my very, very uh, simple but effective defaults. Now, you can also choose how um, good links will mark articles as read, whereas if it's on open or manually, what its default browser should be. So if you prefer to open things in Firefox and so on, you can do that. If it's going to open links, how is it going to open those links from an article? If you're browsing through something you save for later and you tap on a link in it, how do you want it to handle that? And in my case, I've set it to reader mode versus my default browser. Um, you can specify how your link list looks. So that overview of your articles that you've got, yeah, you can customize how that looks. Um, you can also create custom actions. This is so nerdy. I love it. Um, and so you can get, you know, uh, URLs and all sorts of things and you can build like a URL scheme or something to save it out to OmniFocus or Things or Shortcuts even, all sorts of apps. And then you can also, and this is one of my favorite things because it's just so simple, just like you can swipe on emails in the mail app, um, you know, left and right. You can swipe in good links as well, but you can customize what those swipes do. Yep, that's right. So you can use a short short, right, short swipe um, right or left and a long swipe right or left to do different things. So I've got mine set to toggling red, sharing, toggling starred and deleting. Um, but you can change that if you like. And you can also choose whether or not you want badges on your app icon. And if you do want badges on your app icon, do you want a badge for every single article in good links or just your on red ones? Um, and also um, on that list view, if you want um, uh, a tally of uh, unread things. Um, you can customize your share extension. So I've got mine set to quick save, which just means it will just save it automatically without asking me for extra tags, comments, and so on and so forth. Um, and one of my favorite things here is Michael was just talking about New York Times um, and him having a digital or getting a digital subscription, which would mean that then you could log into the New York Times and read some of those articles online that might be paywalled. Um, but usually if you try and save one of those paywalled articles into something like Good Links, it'll just show you need a subscription to read this article but not with good links because with good links, you can log into websites that require a paywall, um, that have a paywall that require you to log in and you can log in and then it'll still be able to download and save those. And this is just so useful for those sites that need that. Um, it's also got an import. So if you want to migrate from say Pocket or Instapaper, Pinboard, Raindrop, Matter, um, good links, your browser bookmarks, anything like that, you can. And honestly, I just really love this app. It works well with, tags and so on. So I can open something here. I can toggle it some red. I can toggle the start. Um, I can, you know, go through and edit it to add as many tags as I want, mark things as red and so on. And just enjoy using an app that makes it really simple to save something in a to be read pile. But you know what? 
I'm actually reading things. I know with 782 unread articles or 732 un- uh, unread articles that are untagged even, it doesn't necessarily look like I'm getting through them. But I assure you, I've got tens of thousands of articles saved in here and I've worked my way through all of them while they were saved in good links. And that's just one of the reasons why I love it. So if you're looking for a uh, simple place to uh, shove your, your to-be-read pile that's more powerful than just Safari's reading list, check out Good Links. It's $4.99 in the App Store. Nice. All right. Uh, my next app that I want to mention is one that has gotten a lot of attention this year. Uh, it's ChatGPT. And ChatGPT is, of course, uh, a service that's available online from OpenAI. And it is the chatbot made by OpenAI that has access to GPT-4. And they, uh, of course, released an app in the App Store that lets you communicate with ChatGPT and you know prompt it for different responses. And over the course of the year, this past year, uh, it saw many improvements and many additions, including the ability to have a conversation with ChatGPT that was uh, kind of an interesting way of 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 using the service um it's not something that i've stuck with in the long term uh being able to communicate with it that way but what i have done is continued to use the app and have it for all sorts of things so we've shown in the past plant identification apps uh with a chat gpt subscription and access to GPT-4, um, you can end up doing a lot of that kind of stuff right from within the app. So here I have sent a photo of an angel wing begonia um, that is kind of newly sprouting. And I uh, first just uploaded the photo and sent it without any context. And it says, you've uploaded a photo of a plant. What would you like to know or do with this image? I said, can you identify the plant? And this already is quite interesting how much of a description it gave based on the photo. It says, the image shows a plant with a tall stem and a single leaf sprouting at the top and another smaller leaf closer to the base. The larger leaf has a pattern that could suggest it's a begonia, specifically the type known as angel wing begonia due to the shape and the spots on the leaves. On the leaves, excuse me. Uh, However, plant identification can be complex, and I can't confirm this with absolute certainty. If you're looking for a precise identification, a local nursery or botanist could provide a more reliable answer, especially if the plant is common in your area. I just so happened to receive this plant from a botanist who did tell me it was an angel wing begonia. Um, And so pretty cool that it was able to identify the angel wing begonia. Um, From here, I could go on and say... Uh, you know, I could ask about care for an angel wing begonia, um, what type of soil should be used, basically, you know, any information that I'd want to. What's great about uh, the app is that it supports all sorts of functionality. So here down at the bottom, you can see, uh, or, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and I'll describe that next to where you type in the message, you have three icons to the left. You have one for a camera, You have one for photos and you have one that's a file folder. The camera lets you take a photograph so that you could then take a photo of something and ask for context or whatever. Uh, Photos lets you choose a photo from your photo library to add. And then the files button lets you upload a file. So if I had a PDF, for example, and I wanted to get a quick summary of everything that was in the PDF, I could share the PDF with ChatGPT. It would process and parse the PDF. And then I could ask it questions about the 
PDF. On the right side, you will see a pair of headphones. That is the uh, communication button that lets you have a conversation out loud with ChatGPT. I'm not going to show that because we've shown it before on different shows, but also because it can take time. And so the delay, the lag makes it not for a very good, I think, demonstration experience. But what's great about this is that it bakes in all sorts of functionality that ChatGPT has. So before you'd kind of have to choose which route you wanted to go down. If you were working with code, you would talk to one version of ChatGPT. If you were working with images, you would go to Dolly. If you were working with uh, text, you would talk in ChatGPT itself. You'd have to add plugins at times. A lot of that has gone away. So I can, for example, just do this. I will say... Um, Create a 16 by 9 photograph. Uh, let's do illustration, actually. Illustration of a cute gray chihuahua listening to a podcast about Apple's, whoops, Apple's iOS Op, nope, that, that's uh, Apple's iOS. We'll just go there. Now, when I send this to ChatGPT, what's cool about it is ChatGPT takes my prompt and it then makes sense of the prompt that I have given it and turns it into a prompt that will get a better result from Dolly. So this is different from going to Dolly on its own, typing this in and getting a response. I have gotten... S- far better responses and um, creations like this, which, of course, with text, it's not good at text. I think the only one that's good at text right now is mid-journey, and that's only in the latest version. But look at this adorable chihuahua listening to a podcast. It's so cute. Um, If I had typed that in online on uh, the... on. Uh, Dolly, it would not look anything like this. It would look like a blob <laughs> because the prompts uh, that it kind of gets uh, from what I'm actually asking are so much better. And what's cool too is that I can say, I like this, but I want it to look like it came from a comic book. No, no, no. Let's do from a kid's uh, picture book and let's see how it changes it. So it's going to actually take the seed of the original image and make adjustments to the image that I already had. So you'll probably notice that there are going to be some themes that are pretty similar with this next version of the photo. So we'll give it a second to generate here and then we will see what it comes up with. Um, and again, sometimes this can take a while depending on when you're uh, asking the system uh, because there are loads of other people also using the system at the same time. And so, oh, look at that. Here's a cute little chihuahua listening to Popcast Toe. Popcast Toe 16168. Um, but don't worry because they've got an LSE connection, so we're good. Uh, but again, in a very adorable photo. Um, although, you know, I maybe would talk to the, the Chihuahua about its listening technique. You kind of want to have those over your ears to, to listen. In any case, I think very cute, a lot of fun. And I've been able to do not just the little toy stuff with it, but also have it 
help me with all sorts of things. When I don't want to bug Rosemary about um, some automation or something, I might uh, occasionally ask ChatGPT for help. Um, and then I usually end up asking Rosemary in the end, and the solution is better. But yes, that's ChatGPT, um, available to download for free. But if you want to have access to all of the features, you do need to have a uh, an OpenAI account and subscription to be able to use that. Uh, it also provides in-app purchases if you'd like to subscribe to the service from within the app. All right, uh, let's keep moving along because we've got a lot more to cover here. Uh, what's next on your list, Rosemary? Well, next on my list is a a simple one. I'm not going to spend too long talking about it because we have mentioned it on the show before. This is Ivory for Mastodon by Tapbots. So a lot of folks will have probably used Tweetbot or something similar in the past to access Twitter. Uh, Twitter is no more. It's now known as X. Um, but um, that means that when Twitter killed their API, a whole bunch of apps needed to find a new home and Mastodon was becoming more and more popular. So a lot of those apps decided that they were going to try and pivot and make a new app for Mastodon. And that's exactly what the folks at Tapbots, or creator of Tweetbot, did. They created Ivory, uh, which, yes, it's a play on the whole mammoth thing, but it's very similar to Tweetbot. Um, it allows you to interact with Mastodon in a very familiar way. So you can tap on the trumpet to post. Um, you can choose uh, your post type, whether it should be public, a list of followers only, mentioned people only what language it's going to be in, um, and all of the things that you might expect. Um, and honestly, I like this because it does just work. I can favorite things in it. So this Picard management tip, if anyone on your ship seems perfect, it means you aren't paying enough attention. Slightly sinister, but, uh, you know, probably accurate. Um, and honestly, it's just a really nice way of interacting with some parts of the internet. Uh, it's amazing how many apps have got accounts on here. So if I want to interact with Carrot Weather, I can follow the Carrot Weather app, which of course I'm already doing. It's carrot at mastodon.social for anyone wondering. Um, there's whole servers which are dedicated to indie apps um, and their developers uh, who have accounts on 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 the server for those apps. Um, and so I, I'm really pleased to be able to be a part of the Mastodon community and uh, yeah, to enjoy this. I can also, of course, switch uh, to the iOS Today account, which is iOS Today at twit.social, um, where we do track all of your uh, feedback and so on that you send us, which... Uh, I, I I love that we have that there and it's easy to switch between accounts but even if you don't need to switch between accounts if you would like to uh, you know take part in the Mastodon social network experience then Ivory is a very enjoyable way to do it. Nice. All right. The next one I'll mention is, I, I don't know why they offer this for free. It's kind of ridiculous to me that it's available just for free to use. Uh, Camo Studio from the folks at Camo. So I've been using Camo for a really long time on my Mac. It is the way that I, uh, when I'm doing my shows from home, I use an iPhone as my web camera and it lets me use the full quality of the iPhone as my web camera running into my Mac. Um, they made uh, this year an app for iPad. So this is uh, an iPad mini and it is uh, a full featured streaming system on the iPad. You can see in the top right, I can change the frame rates, for example. So right now this is 1080p at 60 frames. You can go up to 4k at 30 frames. Um, and right now, I am talking into uh, the iPad. Well, I, I'm speaking towards the iPad. This is the front-facing camera, whoa, right there. And then behind is the uh, the camera that faces to the back. I can take that 
view and move it around on screen wherever I want to. And I'm doing all of this from the iPad. Like I cannot understate, this is an iPad mini I'm using uh, that all of this is happening on. I can change if I want it to be an external video source. So because this has uh, USB-C, I could plug in a webcam and use that as the external video source. Um, I could, for example, if I was using an M1 iPad or higher, uh, which the 12.9 inch iPad that I have is able to do that, then it will allow me to uh, stream from other apps. So I could have my front facing camera or the back facing camera, no, it would be the front facing camera on me while I talk about an app similar to what we do here on the show. Um, You can do little enhancements like removing the background. This is all taking place on the iPad. It's not great, obviously, and not something that I would necessarily recommend unless you had a really solid background. Um, I could add some portrait mode. I could uh, make the background very blurred or replace the background with something else. Um, Add some filters if I'd like uh, to make adjustments to like boosting the green In this case, I'll not have any of those. I can spotlight the face, so it really draws attention to your face. Um, You can also set on auto-framing. So with auto-framing, what it does is it makes adjustments to how you're showing up in the frame. Um, Auto with zoom uh, will actually zoom in a little bit more or out, depending on how... Whoa, now it's zooming in on Rosemary there. Uh, So I'll have it come back to me. Uh, You can rotate the... I mean, this thing is so powerful... And on top of this, you'll notice I've got these stream panels options. That is for uh, anyone who's ever done any kind of streaming. You can basically plug in uh, web addresses, and those web addresses will have little icons and things that can show up on the screen. Um, You can change your different scenes. So you could have one where you've got like text on the side of the screen. Um, I mean, there's so much that you can do. You can just record right here into the app if you want to broadcast to uh, YouTube, Twitch, Trovo, or to a custom location, record it to your photo library. Just incredible. And again, available completely for free in the app store. If you don't have this, you should get it. It's so cool that it's available for anyone to download. Uh, So that's Camo Studio. All right, Rosemary, tell us about the next one. I love this app. I've used it dozens of times, and it has always been a nice time saver. Wink. Ah, uh, well, uh, you know that that is the great thing about time. Time zones are a construct, uh, a curious construct, which pretty much every programmer I know, uh, including myself, doesn't enjoy working with for a very good many, many, many uh, reasons. And I'm not going to get into them because, let's face it, we don't have three hours to sit here. <laughs> sit here listening to me rant about time zones. They're difficult. They're annoying. Some time zones are offset by half an hour or even just 15 minutes. Ah! Frustrating. So, if you want to tell somebody, yes, it's at 9am, whose 9am is that? If I say to Micah, sure, talk to you at 9am. Well, is that 9am my time or 9am Micah's time? Because 9am Micah's time is 5pm my time. Except during those awkward couple of weeks a year where the US or the UK have already changed time zone to um, summer time or winter time. And then everything's off by a different amount. It's so confusing. I hate it. And that's why Elswen is one of my favorite apps. So Elswen has essentially two modes. It has uh, copy a time button for Discord, where you can then paste something into Discord and it'll show people at the right time in Discord, localized to their time zone. And there's also this handy dandy time list, which 
is probably what most of us will end up using most frequently. Um, even though, you know, if you're in the Club Twit uh, Discord, then you should be using uh, the time codes if you're talking to somebody about a time just to make sure that when you say 10 a.m., that actually that translates to whatever 10 a.m. is their time. Um, but yeah, what you can do is you can choose your time zones and you can add groups and so on. So if I was saying 5.31 p.m. GMT, then um, that would translate to 12.31 Eastern, 11.31 Central and 9.31 Pacific. And I can just copy this and I can just go somewhere else and paste it. It's simple. I can uh, even use the share sheet to share this. So I could share this, for example, straight over to Ivory and post that on Mastodon. Yeah, if you're doing like a live stream or something, that could be really handy. Um, but yeah, I, I just really like this. I love the fact that you can save groups. So if you've got a couple of different time zone groups that you need to use on a regular basis, like, I don't know, maybe one for your Dungeons and Dragons buddies, uh, and one for your work buddies or something like that, uh, then you can save those so that you have the relevant time zones for each group of folks popping up. Um, and yeah, I just really love this app. It's very simple. It's very easy to use. Um, and I can change the time as well. So say if I wanted to set the time to uh, 6 p.m., uh, obviously my phone's using 24-hour time, so that's 1800. Uh, I can do that and it's just updated everything up here. That's it. Super simple, super effective. And now if I went and I copy one of these and I paste it into Discord, then bam, that will actually be the right time zone for everybody who sees that. And it's just very cool and simple. But when you need a list of times across time zones, yeah, it, it's a time saver. That's for sure. Uh, very nice. That's Elswin again, available for free in the App Store. Uh, the next one I'll mention mm-hmm. is one that not I, I mentioned not too long ago, but it ended up, uh, I heard from a lot of people who really dug this app. So I wanted to bring it back again as a favorite app of 2023. Um, it's an app called Nuji, N-E-W-J-I. And Nuji is a way for you to make emoji on your iPhone. Uh, the way that this works is it gives you, so Apple, uh, in iOS 17 made it easier for you to use stickers across the entire platform. Uh, you can end up like peeling stickers and sticking them into different apps, especially messaging apps or uh, sending them as little images in different apps. And so with that, we saw kind of a resurgence of or kind of a a regrowth of some apps that had existed for a while, but sticker apps. And this is another generative AI app um, that lets you make little emoji. Uh, It's basically just purpose built to let you create sort of emoji themed uh, images. So I could say, make the king of all, I bet you can guess what I'm going to say next, chihuahuas and emoji. And I will choose make it. And you, whenever you download the app, get a certain number of credits. I believe it starts at 30. I'm down to 21. After that, you'll need to purchase new credits to be able to continue to make emoji, which makes sense. Again, this is using generative AI, so uh, that's paying for access to the API, essentially, for the developer, um, and also just, in general, paying the developer for creating the app. Uh, So we'll wait for that to be created and see how that turns out and if it's any good. 
And once that's done, then uh, we'll move on from this. So again, this is Nuji, available for free in the App Store with a number of credits, I believe 30 to start, uh, and maybe 25 to 30. And then uh, after that, you can buy credits. And here is an adorable little chihuahua wearing a crown. Uh, indeed, it is the king of all chihuahuas. And then I can share that image uh, elsewhere. I can add it as kind of a sticker. And um, if I wanted to, I could ask it to make others. Uh, I recently made a shark playing a guitar, it would appear, and also a chihuahua holding an iPhone. So I seem to have a little bit of a theme uh, going on. That's Nuji on the App Store. What's next, Rosemary? Well, my next pick is related to the fact that, you know, after Twitter disappeared, there seemed to be lots of different social networks popping up. And it was really difficult to keep track of who went where and make sure that when you shared something, it went to all of them. And one of my solutions to this is micro.blog. Now, micro.blog is $5 a month to use, um, but the app is free to download and you do get a 14 day free trial. Um, when you use it. Uh, but the beauty of micro.blog is when you post to micro.blog, you can actually choose uh, where you want to cross post your post to. So I am posting to Macedon and Blue Sky and PixelFed whenever I post here. Now, you used to be able to cross post to Twitter. Obviously, Twitter got rid of that. That wasn't micro.blog, that was Twitter. And you can't cross post to Threads because Threads doesn't have that support yet. Maybe it will in the not-too-distant future. We can but hope. Um, but what I really like about this is I can post here and I own my content as well. So if I decide later that I want to post under a different name or something, well, it's a domain name, so I can change that. I can buy a new domain. And uh, Twits had several sponsors who will help you uh, buy a domain name. Um, and I, it's very simple to move things. Um, so I can post images and so on as well, um, including, you know, various screenshots that I've taken. And I can interact with a bunch of people on here too using uh, open standards, which are just available to everybody. This is also how it can cross post to Blue Sky because Blue Sky has a, an open API and Macedon. Macedon has an open API as well that micro.blog can use. So when I post here, I know that it's posted on my site, but it's also posted on Macedon and it gets posted on Blue Sky too. Um, and if it's got an image in, it gets posted on PixelFed, which is uh, kind of like Instagram, but based on Mastodon standards um, and ActivityPub rather than it being Instagram and private and closed. So yeah, this is just another option for folks. But if you want a very simple, easy to use website where you can post using a mobile app, there's also a Mac app integrated with things like Mars Edit on the Mac as well, which is really great uh, blogging application for Mac OS that I highly recommend. And if this channel weren't iOS today, I'd spend 20 minutes talking about Mars Edit, um, but it is iOS today. And sadly, Mars Edit is not yet available on iOS. Um, maybe it will be this year. Who knows? Um, but yeah, micro.blog is a very nice app. And if the app itself doesn't appeal to you, then, well, Manton Reese, who is the guy behind micro.blog, has worked with a whole bunch of other developers and created a lovely open API where other developers can and have created their own apps for micro.blog. So there's a whole bunch of them out there, including one from Manton himself called Sunlit, which is intended to be more of an image posting application. So something a little bit more Instagram-like for micro.blog. So you still get those uh, square images and filters and things like that, but without having to uh, feed all that data to Facebook. 
Nice. All right. The next one on my list, another completely free app. Uh, it's called Land Drop. And the reason that this one comes up for me is because uh, actually in the last couple of months, this app has come up more than it had in the uh, previous months of 2023. Land Drop is a free and open source app that lets you kind of airdrop to any device, it seems, practically any device on your local area network. So if you've got a Linux machine, a Windows machine, a macOS machine, an Android device, or an iOS device, all of those platforms can airdrop between one another using LandDrop. Um, so what I've done is I have opened up LandDrop on my Mac and on my iPad so that I could show you that here in uh, LandDrop, I've got an iPad showing and a MacBook Air that's showing. And at any time, I could choose to share a photo. So I could say, uh, I want to send these two photos that are here and choose add. And then now that I've selected those two files, I tap on the iPad, for example, and it sends those two files over my local area network uh, to my iPhone, or excuse me, to the iPad. And it asks, hey, uh, there are some photos that are coming your way. Can it be sent? Are you okay with it being sent? And on my iPad, it automatically shares those photos to the photo library. So I didn't even need to, you know, they're not saved. I didn't have to save them locally in the app itself and not be able to save them directly to where I wanted them. But this is really not meant for using personally between a Mac and iPhone and iPad. I've got AirDrop for that. Uh, What it's for is when I've got a Windows machine and I want to get a photo from my iPhone over to the Windows machine quickly, or if I've got, you know, a Linux device booted and I'm working on a text document and I want to share that over to a Windows machine or the Mac or want to take it to my iPad and be able to open it up in a, or AI writer. Why is that? No, IA writer. Um, and edit that file there. Super easy to do, super quick, super simple. And again, free and open source, which is awesome. Um, and that's LandDrop on the App Store. Uh, but I, I recommend going to LandDrop, L-A-N-D-R-O-P dot app, because that will give you access to the other platforms where it exists. So you can download it on Windows, Linux, Android, Mac OS, iOS. Super cool. So easy to do. Secure. You know, it's all right there locally on your network and uh, encrypted. So very cool stuff. Land drop. All right, Rosemary, tell us about your final pick for your favorite app of 2023. Yeah. So my favorite, uh, one of my final favorite apps for 2023 is Pixelmator. And this is an oldie, but a goodie because I've had this installed on my phone for so long that I genuinely don't remember an iPhone that I haven't had this app installed on. Maybe not on my 3GS, but you know, it's been there for a very long time. And Pixelmator on iPhone and iPad is kind of like mini Photoshop, but on your iPhone or your iPad. And over the years, it's just got better and better and better. It's a one-time purchase of $4.99 and they just keep making it better every single year. So I have an image here that I have screenshotted uh, from the internet. Um, and it's just kind of a funny little thing of that's not my job. This is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find it. But I screenshotted it and I didn't do a great job of cropping it. So over on the left, we've got a lot of white space. Over on the right, we've got very little white space. 
And I really think I could just tidy this up. So I'm going to select and I'm going to do a color selection on here. I'm just going to select that white area around the side. And yep, it's just nailed it, selecting all of that white area there. And I can delete that. Uh, and then what I could do now is I could actually just center this in the middle. Or I can actually use the crop feature. And it will actually, as I drag it in, it will snap to the edges where the transparency is, which is just really nice. Um, and that works very well for what I'm trying to do here. So there we go. I've applied that. Um, and then now what I could do is is maybe actually what I should do is I should add another layer onto here. So I'm just going to add a new layer and I'm going to add a white layer uh, and I'll just add that underneath uh, or I'll drag that one on top. Uh, there we go. And I am going to paint it um, and I'm going to do a color fill uh, with that opacity. Uh, but uh, what I just want to do a second is I'm going to tap on that gray and then I should be able to uh, get a color that pretty much matches um, and just paint this to match. Oops, uh, there we go. Uh, if I if I hide that layer, that'll be a little easier to uh, color fill that. And then I can show that layer. And if I hadn't accidentally painted that layer first, that would <laughs> have gone so much better. Um, Tell you what, let's just leave that alone for now and uh, show this back up because uh, got a little bit of a cold, so my brain's not working at 100%. Um, but then what I can do with this layer here is I can actually um, add some effects and I can do things like sharpening it to improve the uh, text quality a little bit just to make it a little bit easier to read. There we go. That's 200% uh, sharpened. I think that's actually quite a bit better. Um, and then when I go to save this out, I can either copy the image, I can save it to photos, or I can modify the original. So I don't have two copies of the same image stuck in my photos library. Because, you know, the duplicates feature in photos works great. But Pixelmator's had this ability forever to modify the original picture. And honestly, I just really love that. They, they're aware sometimes you want to modify the original. Sometimes you do want to copy. And that's built in. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other features here. I've used this for creating little diagrams before. You can retouch things by doing repairing or cloning, lightening and darking, saturation, desaturation. When you do select, there's selecting subjects, um, there's rectangular selection, elliptical selection, free selection, magnetic selection, quick selection, color selection, you name it. When I said it's like a mini Photoshop for your iPhone, I mean mini in that it's condensed down to fit onto your iPhone screen. It does so much and the Pixelmator series of apps is truly well worth it. So I highly recommend checking out uh, Pixelmator. But of course, if you have an iPad, then there's also Pixelmator Photo. And if you've got a Mac, then there's Pixelmator and Pixelmator Pro for Mac as well. All of which are fabulous apps that I highly recommend checking out. They are upfront single purchase apps. Um, and, you know, it's quite difficult to come by those for some of this sort of thing nowadays, uh, especially with this kind of quality. So I highly recommend giving it a go. Awesome. All right, folks, that brings us to the end of our segment about the favorite apps of 2023. Uh, it's time to move along to the news. I wanted to mention first and foremost that the Apple Watch ban has been temporarily paused. So you may have heard uh, from us or elsewhere that the Apple Watch had been banned for sale. Well, certain versions of the Apple Watch have been banned for sale in the United States. Uh, in particular, that was the Apple Watch series, what is it, 9, and the Apple Watch Ultra. Um, those versions were banned for sale in the United States because 
They have the blood oxygen sensor in them, um, which was... But there's basically a patent dispute going on is what it boils down to. And so this patent dispute um, resulted in uh, a ruling that said that, hey, in the United States, Apple has to stop selling this watch until these watches until they figure out how to address uh, the you know patent dispute. Well, um, a group has said, and let me remember which group this is, uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals um, has said, all right, we're going to figure out what's going on here and we may put a, a, an eventual pause on the ban of the import that lasts for a while while this case keeps going on. But while we decide if we're going to do a longer pause, we're going to do a shorter pause uh, that allows Apple to sell the Apple Watch in the United States once again. So um, on on Wednesday, the day after, this was um, Wednesday, December 27th, uh, the Apple Watch started to be available for sale again on Apple.com and then also later available in Apple stores again. And as Rosemary's reminded me of most importance, uh, I did talk to Mark Gurman of Bloomberg uh, on Tech News Weekly before we went on vacation, uh, holiday break. And uh, he pointed out something to me that was really shocking that uh, we talked about, which is that while that ban was going on, if you had an Apple Watch Series 9 or an Apple Watch Ultra 2, uh, it would have to have been, I think, the Series 9, right? If you had one of these devices that had gone out of uh, warranty and you tried to get it repaired, you would not be able to get it repaired because in almost every case, Apple just gives you a new watch whenever they do a repair of the Apple Watch. And because they weren't allowed to sell anymore and weren't allowed to import anymore, then it meant that they could not do those repairs and would have to give you kind of a, just hold on, once we get this all figured out, then we'll be able to repair your Apple Watch aka give you a new one. And so while this pause is going on, Apple is once again able to do these repairs and be able to uh, assist users in that way. So know that the Apple Watch is again available for sale and will probably be for some time before a larger decision ends up taking place. Um, I wanted to mention a quick PSA for those of you in the United States um, who because you're in the United States, have to do your own taxes. Um, <laughs> be aware that the Apple Card Savings Plan, and this is uh, thanks to 9to5Mac who pointed this out, um, the Apple Card Savings option, which lets you basically take money from your Apple Card uh, purchases, that is, was at one point just kind of available as like a daily cash reward and would kind of collect. You could take that money and you could put it into a savings account. And if you put the money into a savings account, then you earn interest on that money that is in the savings account. And if you earn more than, I believe it's even just $10, um, it's, a, it's a very small amount 
of money. If you earn, yeah, if you earn more than earn more than ten dollars in interest in 2023 from this Apple Card savings account, you will be getting Form 1099-INT. That is the form that tells the IRS how much money you made in interest on your savings. And up to this point, that wouldn't have been a factor. Now it is. So be aware that you will get that form in the Apple Wallet app. So you'll probably get a notification. If you don't get a notification, make sure you go into the Apple Wallet app, you check the uh, Apple Card savings account, and you get that 1099 so that you can report it on your taxes, which is funny and annoying because Apple also has to send that form to the IRS. <laughs> so wouldn't it be great if it worked like it does in the UK where you just get a thing in the mail or however it happens these days that says, hey, this is what we see for what you've earned and what the taxes are. You good with that? Isn't that how it works, Rosemary? I think you told me that's how it works. Uh, well, it, it really depends on who you are and whether or not you've got a business and other income coming in but yeah basically in the uk uh hmrc does all the work for you it's a novel experience for those from the us i'm sure but yeah it works really well uh we pay slightly higher taxes but you know we also have national health care so mm. you know probably a win-win for us i guess <laughs> uh, you also have really good tea hmm. um mm. <laughs> so the last last bit of news i'll mention is that uh microsoft's own app that runs on Copilot, or excuse me, that runs on OpenAI uh, with, you know, some unique implementations is now available as an app on iPhone and iPad. It's called Copilot. You can get it in the App Store. Um, You can ask it questions. In fact, there's a photo of the app saying, of someone saying, what kind of flower is this with a photograph of a flower? And then the uh, co-pilot is responding to say what kind of flower it is, which, of course, that is a bird of paradise. Um, and then look, in the next one, it's having it. Gen- I feel like they watch iOS today. In the next one, they're generating photos of cute dogs talking into microphones. Um, that's my brand. So you're going to hear from me. Uh, and there will be a ban on Copilot. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, so just be aware that app is available. You can download it on the App Store. Uh, it is available for free. If you have a Microsoft account, you can use it. So check out Copilot on the App Store. All right, folks. Without further ado, it is time for Shortcuts Corner. And we're keeping the music, right, Kevin? Yeah. Woo! Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't warn him. <laughs> Welcome to Shortcuts Corner, the part of the show where you write in with your shortcuts requests and Rosemary Orchard, our shortcuts expert, provides a response. I want to say this really quick, though, before we get into Shortcuts Corner. <clears throat> if you have feedback and questions that is that is slash are not related to shortcuts, there's a new place where you're going to want to send those. And that is a little show called Ask the Tech Guys. Uh, it's a show that Leo Laporte and I, Micah Sargent, host on Sundays. Uh, you can email us, atg at twit.tv. You can call us, 888-724-2884, during the week to leave a voicemail, or on Sundays during the show. Uh, you can actually join live to ask your question. You can also go to... Um, call.twit.tv and you'll be connected to a Zoom where you can ask a question. So if you have those kinds of non-shortcuts questions, that's the new place where you will be asking those. But keep on keeping on with your shortcuts requests uh, because Rosemary Orchard is right here and available to answer them. So this one comes in from Chuck, 
who writes, I never miss an episode of iOS today. That said, I have a shortcuts question slash issue. I created a simple shortcut that uses the show remote control action to select the appropriate Apple TV based on the current room that I'm in using occupancy sensors. The issue is that the shortcut doesn't reliably show the specified Apple TV and instead shows the last opened Apple TV. I'm guessing this is a bug with this shortcut's action, but I wanted to confirm. I'm wondering if Rosemary has run into this issue and found a workaround or a solution. Thank you, my friends, for all that you do. With blessings, Chuck. Chuck, blessings right back. Uh, and thank you for uh, hopefully joining us here in Club Twit so you can check out the answer to your Shortcuts Corner request. So, Rosemary, does this feel like a bug? Does this feel like something that could be solved? What's going on here? Well, I actually need a little bit more information from Chuck before I'm going to be able to fully answer this question because it kind of depends on how the shortcut's been set up. So I have uh, a shortcut here on my phone screen, which I should be showing you folks, um, which just has the show remote control action in it. And it's showing me my bedroom Apple TV remote control. And if I run this, then it'll open it and it opens the remote app, takes a moment. Now, this is important. It takes a moment, but then it shows me the bedroom Apple TV. So I exit back out of here and then I go into this other action that I or shortcut that I've created where it says show remote control for living room TV brackets too because I have a HomePod pair in my living room so their living room and for some reason this one even though I've renamed it six times just loses living room Apple TV um, and goes back to being called living room I've, I've given up on it it's fine and if I run this then it opens the remote app waits and then it does also show me bedroom TV usually however when I was playing around with this a little bit earlier um, I actually noticed uh, a little thing that uh, could be done which is called the wake Apple TV action yeah so if I use wake Apple TV I specifically wake the Apple TV before running this action now let's just go back in here and uh, leave it uh, so it's on choose a TV and tell you what let's force quit that remote just to be sure Okay, and then I'm going to go into the bedroom one and I'm going to add the Wake Apple TV there. So last time I ran a shortcut to open the Apple TV remote, it opened, waited a little bit, was supposed to show me the living room, <clears throat> showed me the bedroom, and then I changed it. Uh, so this one, it's the wrong TV. Whoops, uh, I'll just have to give it a moment. For some reason, it always takes a little while to uh, program these actions, I guess, because it's scanning your whole network for Apple TVs, even though it literally just scanned it <laughs> seconds ago. ago yeah. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to run it for the bedroom one and it's woken it up and it's waiting, choosing a TV and it is going ah. to living room for me. And so I have a feeling, Chuck, that this is probably a bug. But if you have this in something like your shortcut input or you're using a variable in the show remote control, that could also be to blame if that's somehow getting set incorrectly. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a feeling that what you're going to need to do is uh, open the feedback app. Now, I have this in my control center because I'm running a beta. But if you're not running a beta, then you can go to apple-feedback colon slash slash on your phone or you can go to uh, apple.com slash feedback and file some feedback with them and tell them this ain't working right mm -hmm. uh, because something is a little bit hinky there. Um, but uh, if uh, you uh, are just having a problem finding your remotes, then I would like to take this opportunity to remind folks that in the latest version of iOS, 
there's now a find button for those remotes. Yep. So I can tap on find and of course, obviously my living room is quite a way away. So it's saying that my living room TV remote is far. That's not really a surprise. My bedroom TV remote is a bit closer, but uh, my arms are not long enough to reach all the way into my bedroom from my office. So uh, I'll have to uh, not demo that right now. But uh, you can use your phone to find your Apple TV remotes if they are the newer ones, which is such a godsend uh, because I managed to lose mine between my mattress and my headboard the other day and it took me a while to find it. But I was able to with thanks to the find button on this. Um, So yeah, sounds like Chuck needs to file some feedback there. But this does usually work. I find that it often gets stuck when both Apple TVs are awake or have recently been awake. But if they are both fully asleep and have been asleep for a while, like mine were right at the beginning of that, then it works fine. So, uh, yeah, it's something that needs to have some feedback felt against it. Well, I know we will all go to arms and make sure that happens. Folks, believe it or not, that is going to bring us to the end of this, our first new episode of iOS Today in the club. Uh, If you have questions, if you have feedback, if you have any of that, you can email us iostoday at twit.tv. I want to once again thank you all so much for your support. Uh, It is because of Club Twit that we are continuing to be able to do this show and bring it to you uh, each and every week. And so thank you so much for your contributions there. Thank you so much for telling your friends and family and gifting iOS or gifting Club Twit as a subscription. I also want to mention that uh, we do have a single show plan. So if you want to tell your friends about iOS Today in the club now and would like to just get iOS Today on its own, it's available for $2.99 a month as opposed to that full uh, subscription. That will get you access to the iOS Today feed in and of itself alone, uh, so you can watch the show every week. It could be a great gift for a friend or family member who just got a new phone, iPhone or iPad for Christmas or for another gift-giving holiday. Uh, in any case, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being members of Club Twit, and we will see you again next week for another episode of iOS Today. Bye-bye. Goodbye, folks. Hey there, Scott Wilkinson here. In case you hadn't heard, Home Theater Geeks is back. Each week, I bring you the latest audio-video news, tips and tricks to get the most out of your AV system, product reviews, and more. You can enjoy Home Theater Geeks only if you're a member of Club Twit, which costs 7 bucks a month. Or you can subscribe to Home Theater Geeks by itself for only $2.99 a month. I hope you'll join me for a weekly dose of Home Theater Geekitude.